listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. My opponent was pressuring me to no end. He was on top of me on the side mount, had trapped me down, was holding me tight and not letting me move. I could not find a way through. Not only that, but I was beginning to feel like he was crushing my lungs to the point that I was pretty sure that I was going to run out of breath at any moment. And he just held there. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your marriage even if you feel like you're trapped under the pressure of a crushing crisis. We're going to talk about how to get out of that and what that space is as we go through this podcast. This podcast has been going on now for a number of years. It's been listened to over 3 million times, 3 million downloads around the world. And that's because you're doing what others are trying to do. You're trying to bring life back into your relationship. Sometimes that can feel like it's a hopeless proposition. But you, you're listening, you're here because you continue to have hope. You continue to feel like there's some place, some space for you to move. That's an important part. Many people aren't where you are. They've already given up. Now, many people also have a spouse that feels like it's time to give up, that they are hopeless, that anything can happen. And that's kind of the topic of today. What is that space between hope and hopelessness? How do you get to hopeless and how do you move from hopeless to hope? How do you feel like you can keep moving forward? Because many times people feel that hopelessness. And the question is whether they can manage to pivot to thinking in a hopeful way. Over the last little bit, I've been watching uh, my group in Facebook. I have a, a group that's part of my VIP program that meet on Facebook to support each other and to figure out how they can keep moving forward. That group has been feeling some hopelessness because spouses aren't moving into the process. And what I notice is that not everybody, thank goodness, feels the hopelessness at one time. And so when somebody's feeling hopeless, others come in and talk about that and move them through a process to where they feel like maybe there's something else they can do. The fact is there's almost always something else they can do. They just have lost track of that because they've forgotten the process of staying hopeful. Now, hope is a very interesting concept. It's something that I've explored in a new book that I released, The Three Barriers, or Getting Beyond the Three Barriers. That's the name of the book, Beyond the Three Barriers. It's a book on how to get past those three barriers that's got your spouse stuck so that you can find a way to pivot through. And one of those barriers is that they're hopeless, So as I explore that in the book, I talk about how to build that hope, which brings me back to that moment when I was on the bottom getting uh, really held down by my opponent. It happened in jujitsu, and let me just say it's happened regularly in jujitsu. Right now, I'm on a bit of a break from jujitsu, not by my choice, but because of the pandemic. And so this happened a while back. 
Basically, in jujitsu, we learn techniques on how to deal with the opponent in different moves. And I'm in an advanced class, so I'm dealing with people who know jujitsu. I'm learning techniques against techniques that are against the techniques that I knew when I was a beginner. And so there I was rolling with a higher belt. And he was crushing me in a side mount. A side mount means that he's kind of perpendicular to my body. One arm grabbing underneath my neck and the other arm grabbing my opposite arm, pinning me down. It's a pretty dominant position. It's a strong position and uh, took some time for me to get out of this one. So here's what happened. I was suddenly aware that there was no way in that, and this is important, moment I was going to get out. He had me trapped. It flashed me back to a moment in my childhood. My brother had this habit of pinning me underneath uh, one of those uh, big chairs that you have, you know, that was stuffed. Beanbag chair was one of his favorite ways of torturing me at that point. I'd be lying there, he'd put it on top of me and sit on it. Now, with the beanbag chair and my brother on top, there was no way I could escape. But what I realized was there was no way that beanbag was going to cover my entire body. If he put it kind of over my face and over my chest, I could breathe through my belly. If he put it on my belly, I could breathe through my chest. If he put it on my right side, I could breathe through my left side. If he put it on my left side, I could breathe through my right side. In other words, I could always find a place to hang on. I could always find a place to just wait until he got tired of the game. And the reason he got tired of the game is because I wasn't struggling. And that is the point, right? When you're trying to hold someone down, that they struggle. I mean, as an older brother or younger brother or whoever, siblings, that's what you're doing. You're, you're trying to get a rise out of the other person. So if you can't get the rise, it's no longer any fun. And so I would just lie there and let him sit on it trying to get a rise out of me. But I wouldn't give it because I knew I was safe. I knew in that moment I was okay. Now, flash forward all the way to that jujitsu class when my opponent had me pinned down (laughs) and I just waited. But what I did a little bit differently is I hugged him tighter to me. In other words, as tight as he was holding me, I was holding on just as tight because I didn't want to give him room to move to the next move because he was going to next move to something that would not just have me controlled, but have me submitted some move that would lead me either to not be able to breathe, not be able to get oxygen to my brain or not be able to control uh, one of my limbs being uh, torqued in some way that caused pain. And so all of those things I was trying to prevent. So I grabbed hold tight with his arms and I just held on. And in that moment, I realized there was another place for me to breathe. When one way was blocked, another was opened and I waited. And in the moment when he had the shift In order to find some space to move to something different, I made my move because I had a little bit of space. And all I needed was a little bit of space. Now notice, I didn't find hope because the space opened. I had hope waiting for the space to open. And that's an important thing as you're working on saving your relationship. The hope comes in the process of waiting 
It's not because there's an opening, but it's because you continue to wait for the opening in hope. So how does that work? Well, Charles Snyder, back in the 80s and 90s, talked about hope. And he said that there are different components to hope. And in order for us to stay hopeful, we have to have several different pieces. The first thing we have to have is a direction. We have to know a direction we want to go. The second thing we have to do is we have to know a way to get there. And the third thing is that we've got to know that we'll do it. So we know our goal, know how to do it, and know that we will do it. In other words, we have a destination, we have a process to get there, and we have the agency, the choice to move in that direction. Those three pieces are what lead us to feel hopeful. Which brings us to what happened to a spouse. Why did they lose their hope? If you don't know where you're going to go, if you've lost track of where you can even try to get to, if you go, there's no way I can even see a way forward to a happy marriage, you've lost your destination. More importantly, if you've lost your idea of connecting with your spouse, you've lost the destination of that part of the process that can lead to you to feel some hopelessness about how this relationship can go anywhere you would like to go. The second thing is if you have no idea how to get there, you can lose your hope. Now think about that for a minute. At what point in your life were you prepared to be married? As I've said many times, this is on-the-job training. We're thrown into it. There's no way we know how to do the marriage thing while we're learning to do it. And unfortunately, that means that we make mistakes and we might even cause a little damage that we have to work out along the way. But sometimes we expect, and this is the problem, we expect our spouse to do it right even while we know that we're stumbling through trying to figure out how to do it right. So in the process... We feel like we don't know how to get where we want to go. We lose our, our understanding of how to get there. What worked in the beginning doesn't work later on in the marriage, but we don't learn new skills. And by the way, what we learn mid-marriage isn't going to work later on either. We have to keep learning the skills of marriage. That's the challenge of that, to learn the skills of happy marriage. So if you don't know how to do that, it's easy for a spouse to get lost in the weeds, not know how to get back to the, to the middle area there, and find a way back into the relationship. And the last thing is, at some point, sometimes spouses just lose their desire to move through. And that makes sense, because if you don't know where to go and you have no idea to get there, why would you even try to wander around and figure it out? That's their personal agency. Which brings us back to that place for you. To be clear about where you want to go, about what destination you want to get to, how do you want to proceed forward? That's an important part of the process. To pick your destination. You think about it like taking a trip. If you say, hey, I just want to take a trip. Well, any road will get you on a trip, but it may not get you to any destination you want to go. But if you say, hey, I want to go to the coast, choose whatever, whatever country you're in. I'm sure there's a coast. So choose a coast. I'm kind of in the middle of the country, so I would go, oh, I'm going to go to the West Coast or the East Coast. Well, now I've picked a destination. I might even refine a little bit. 
I want to go to California. I want to go to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Yeah, I can pick somewhere specific. Now I have my destination in mind. But that's just step one. Just because I've chosen where I want to go doesn't tell me how to get there. Which brings us to the process. There are lots of ways I could get there. I could drive a car, take a plane, take a train, hitchhike, skateboard. (laughs) There are lots of ways I might be able to get there. But I have to choose one. That is when I know the process to get there. I understand what process I'm going to use to get that place. Now, just deciding that I'm going to take the car doesn't mean I've done anything. I might even need to figure out what I'm going to take with me. That's more of that process. And I might even need to figure out where I'm going to stop along the way. The things that I might want to see along the way, the places that I might want to uh, stay overnight and maybe even eat something. That need to know that. I need to know what am I going to do when I hit the desert on the way. I have to make sure I have the resources to get across that. And so you start planning through that. Now you know how you're going to do it. But even if I've chosen my destination and even if I've figured out how I'm going to get there, unless I'm willing to get in the car, turn the key and start driving, I'm never going to get there. So the last part I hope is when we commit to doing it. If we have a destination and we're committed to doing it, but we have no way of doing it, that middle part, that's just wishful thinking. We haven't figured out how to do that. If we don't have a destination, even if we're willing to get there, we're just going to wander. If we have a process that points us in our, the direction we want to go because we know that destination and we're choosing to get there, those are the three pieces required in order for us to find hope. Now, if you're wondering about that little jujitsu, yeah, I did escape uh, side control. I had some hope of continuing, but my opponent was much better than me. And as soon as I escaped, he put me into another move and we continued to roll for a while. I learned a lot in that experience. And one of the things I learned is I had to wait and be hopeful that I was going to take the next move. I could have just tapped out when he was crushing against me. And when I was having a hard time breathing, I could have said, okay, I'm done. I give up. Instead, I held on and said, let's see where this goes. I have hope that I can get through this because I've been in this position before and I know how to hang out and wait for the space. It was not me becoming hopeful when he moved. It was being hopeful that he would move and I could find my space. The same is true for you. Being hopeful in the process in the face of a hopeless spouse is important. Because if you lose your hope, then when both people give up, there's not anything that's going to happen. The important thing to remember is that one person continuing to have hope, continuing to take action, can make the difference. I see it every day. I hear from people every day who have chosen to continue to hold on, to continue to process through until their spouse can find their way back to hope again. Now, hope is just one of the pieces. Hopelessness is one barrier. There are two others that I talk about in my new book, uh, Beyond the Three Barriers. And the important part is you knowing how to get beyond those barriers. If you're interested in that book, 
you can go to savethemarriage.com slash three barriers, the number three barriers. So three barriers. And you can check that out. It's also available any place you like to get ebooks, wherever that is. It's only available in ebook format because it is an action guide. So it's not long. It's a pretty short way through. So you get a quick understanding and the actions to take. But it is available for you. Go to savethemarriage.com slash three barriers or check it out wherever you like to get your ebooks. And if you realize that you fall into that category that you don't know the process to get there, you have a destination in mind and you are ready to do it. You just haven't figured out how to do it. That's the point of my Save the Marriage system. You can find that by going to savethemarriage.com and checking out the system. I suggest that you take action now. You know your destination. You know you want to get there. Now the question is whether you can learn the process and begin that journey. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. dot